it just comes back to the drive. If you want it enough, then no one is going to be able to convince you not to. Hi everyone, welcome to Journey in Color. Today I'm going to be talking to one of the smartest people I know who is also so confident within her own skin and someone I'm so lucky to call one of my best friends. Thank you, Bella Kana, for being on here with me. Thank you for having me and you are too kind, really. <laughs> no, I mean, it's true. I'm not lying, girl. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about Bella's journey to Haverford, being brown in liberal arts and everything in between. Since many people might not know a lot about Haverford, why don't we just start there? Tell us a little bit about Haverford and why you chose it. So Haverford is a really small liberal arts college in Pennsylvania. Their total enrollment is about 1,300 undergrads, which is half the size of our high school. Um, I chose Haverford eventually because they gave me a really good vibe. And one of the most important things about the school is that they have an honor code, which means that, for example, when I matriculated, there was no enrollment deposit. They just asked for my word of honor. And I said, yes, I will be enrolling. And that was it. You know, top to bottom, they just, they trust you and you trust the people around you. There's no cheating. And when there are cheating incidents and things like that, the students take care of it. The justice system in the school and student government, it's all student run. Even the honor code, which is about 100 pages long, um, is completely updated and written by the students every year. So I just really like that sense of social responsibility and everything academically, socially, it's all dependent on the students. Mm. See, I love that, right? But also, as a student, I feel like a lot of people might not choose Haverford for that exact reason. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because they want to cheat and they're like, well, I want to get away with things. You know what I mean? And that sense of maturity that you have in terms of like the honor code, I think that's really interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I think kids in JP, a lot of them would not necessarily agree with the philosophy, but I, for one, really like the idea of a trusting environment where everyone is kind of on the same page in terms of where you're getting your your information and your grades, where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested, how did you, you know, decide or how did you know that you liked liberal arts and that you wanted to go into it? Well, ever since I was a kid, I've been a writer, so that's just kind of been my thing. And beyond that, mm -hmm. I've been into music since... I don't know, I was maybe two, I've been singing, I've been playing the guitar for four years. So there's really nothing science or mathy about me. <laughs> They're not my best fields. I tend to excel in English and the arts more so than in STEM. So I just kind of knew that that was what I was going to enjoy for the rest of my life. Mm, so it was just kind of like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm young, this is what I'm interested in, might as well just do this because it's what I've always been into, right? Exactly. And I think mm -hmm. without passion, there's no way you're going to succeed at anything. So that's what, mm -hmm. that's what you have to follow, man. Right. That, that's so interesting because I feel like liberal arts is a field where, you know, when you look it up on Google, you're not going to see a six-figure salary pop up, right? And so you have to really love it and you have to really be passionate about it. And that's why I almost like, like connecting with and talking to people like in these types of fields. You know what I mean? 
And the thing is, like, a lot of people, they'll go into STEM or, you know, doctor, lawyer, things like that, just because when they pop it into Google, it's like, oh, a six-figure salary. But even if you're doing those type of things, like, having that passion is so important. And when picking a college, and I feel like when picking a major, that's still, like, equally as important because it's going to sort of drive what you're going to do for the rest of your life, right? Oh, totally. And I think that as a STEM major or something like that, if that's what you're passionate mm-hmm. about, then that's really great. But right. at this time in our lives, I mean, we're about 17, 18. So if we're not following our dreams right now, then when exactly are we going to be doing that, right? So we have mm-hmm. to get after it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think at this age, we because we're so young and, you know, our maturity hasn't developed that much, we aren't, we care so much about what other people think, you know what I mean? And totally. our perceptions that... Um, our perceptions of the world and how other people perceive us including our parents and including our peers and I think there's this connotation when you go into STEM fields that you're a little bit above everyone else you know and when you're going to liberal arts like oh you're going to liberal arts okay but you failed your SAT wow (laughs) you know (laughs) exactly girl exactly you know speaking of SAT and GPA do you mind sharing those with everyone uh, sure, yeah. So, um, for the sole purpose of destroying the stigma around art students, my SAT score was 1590 and my unweighted GPA is around the 3.87. So, if you meet a liberal arts person, don't assume that they didn't do well on these things. Liberal arts is a choice, it's not something you fall to because of your grades. Mm-hmm. And I think liberal arts people, like I said before, they're even more passionate yes. than other people about what they're doing. And that's why it's so interesting to talk to them and talk to them about the arts and, you know, what they're doing. So do you ever get negative responses from people like when you tell them you're going into liberal arts (laughs) and, you know, things like that? Oh, my favorite story. Um, This was (laughs) just a few months ago on the bus and a couple of guys on my bus were horsing around and they were like, so... Uh, you know, what do you want to do? I know you blah, blah, blah. You're in all these classes. So like, what are you going to be like a, like a computer engineer? And I was like, I want to be an author. The two responses I received, one was enjoy living in a cardboard box. And the other was, I'll see you when you're homeless. A common theme of general, like, homelessness being associated <laughs> with the liberal arts so yes definitely there's been some some pushback from my peers in that in that area mm-hmm. yeah that's for sure I feel like you know just some guys telling you in the bus it can't be that impactful but it, you might think about it later you know when you go home and those thoughts and those words don't really go away so how do you deal with that sort of negativity and that stigma around liberal arts <laughs> Yeah, I think when it comes to dealing with other people's pushback, you just kind of have to push back harder, but just for yourself. So that's what I was saying, like why it's so important to be passionate about the stuff that you do. So I think I went home that day and I wrote for about four hours. So um, I just, you have to kind of throw out other people's words in favor of your own. You have to like know what you're doing know that you're confident in what you want and then I think it really doesn't matter what other people say about it because what you think eventually is going to just be more important than that Mm -hmm. yeah I think building that confidence is like such an important thing right yeah because going into liberal arts you're probably like one or two times someone says it to you okay you know you tell a friend or something like that and then as people say it more and more you have to really harden yourself and realize like 
you know, you're doing this for yourself and you're doing this because you fell in love with this art type of thing. Exactly. And I mean, if you have the drive to do this, then there's Mm -hmm. no way that some kid on the bus is going to make you feel (laughs) like you shouldn't. Mm. And speaking of drive and motivation, you know, and the whole stigma of liberal art kids not being so great at school, what motivated you to do? Wait, motivated you to do so well in school and on the SATs? Well, honestly, what I think a lot of people don't get about liberal arts schools is that they are really, really hard to get into. Some of the best ones, I mean, some of the schools I applied mm-hmm. to, the acceptance rates were between like 8 and 15%. So as that's crazy. I know, and as a liberal arts student, yes, it's important to be a good talker and like good at stuff that isn't necessarily academic, but you also do need to have that certain cutoff of trying hard in school, pushing yourself to take harder classes, pushing yourself to do better than you thought you could. So Mm, yeah I think that's actually really hard you know because as students we're like okay well I like writing or I I like tennis you know and let me just go for it full force and being able to balance like different activities and like the arts and then the academics all at once can sometimes be really difficult so how did you like manage and like deal with like writing at the same time and then school and like all your extracurriculars so my junior year I did a lot more than I think was wise uh, in terms of AP classes extracurriculars Um, but I think my senior year I got a better balance I took like three APs and I was on some executive boards of things I was really really passionate about so I wasn't just kind of you know throwing myself at board positions I stuck with the guitar ensemble and the literary magazine which are two things I had really cared about all throughout high school so I think you just need to find the balance of what you care about and just do your best to succeed in those specific things I think you need to prioritize succeeding but you also need to prioritize what you're passionate about because that's eventually what's going to take you to the top Mm-hmm. And see, I totally agree with that because if you don't prioritize, like, you know, what you're passionate about and you just prioritize what you're succeeding in, I feel like you're going to burn out eventually. You know what I mean? And especially in people, um, from people from our school, they, they do like 10 activities and it's like they burn out and then they have mental health issues, which is totally not worth it. And especially for us who are already at such a young age. So completely, yeah. mm -hmm. Right. And so I was thinking, do you ever doubt yourself? And do you ever think like, you know, I I shouldn't be doing this? Why don't I just go for a more stable career? Honestly, I think what's really good about the I'm looking into and Haverford specifically is that there's no sense of, uh, you know, point of no return. If I want, if I just turn around one day and say, I hate this, I hate everything I'm doing, I'm going to become a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Haverford is one of those schools that law schools look at and they're like, oh, she graduated from Haverford. Wow. Because Haverford is an all around, like up there, top tier university. So um, I think at this point, if you're doubting what you want to do, you need to make sure that the college you're looking at is going to be options to change your something that was really important to me when I was making my college list you just kind of have to make sure that the college isn't gonna uh, close you up into like one box so I'm allowed to change my mind and I think that's definitely something that feels good to not be boxed into one choice 
Yeah, for sure. I completely agree with that, especially because there's like some stat. I don't know if you told me or Shreya told me, but like there's some stat that like one in four college students would end up changing their major. And because of that, like looking for a college that really is all around well and that can really help you succeed in any career path you choose, I think is so important. It wouldn't really make sense to go to like the number one comp sci school and then turn around and decide you want to become a teacher, which is what's good about some of these all around good schools is that you'll get a great education in whatever field you end up choosing. Right. And how did you um, improve and build yourself like within liberal arts? Like I remember um, you did the poetry slam, right? Yes, four years. <laughs> right, four years, right. So what was that like in, in the beginning, like in ninth grade? And then how did you like improve yourself? And was it nervous? And just like go through the experience of that. Oh, man, the Poetry Slam is one of my favorite experiences from high school because mm -hmm. I love being on stage because I'm just like that. <laughs> and I love writing. So yeah, freshman year, I remember it was kind of I wasn't expecting much out of it because it's a small program, but what I found and what I have continued to find throughout all of these kind of artsy programs is that everyone is very supportive and no matter how much experience you have, no matter who you are, or like where you're coming from, you're kind of going to get the same amount of support and care and kindness from everyone. So from like the director of the program to everyone around me, clapping and snapping for your poetry and stuff like that. It's just, it felt like a really great environment. <clears throat> which I think was what helped me stick with it for a while. So when I started, I was a freshman, very nervous. And now I'm a senior doing it for the fourth time. And it kind of feels like home, this program. So I think it's just a matter of finding your space and finding your people. Mm. Wait, are you still doing it this year, even though quarantine and everything? Yeah, we are doing it. I just actually submitted my second draft performance. It's through video. It's going to be an online performance this year. Oh, wow. That's so cool, actually. You know? Yeah. That's great that they didn't cancel it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, you were able to sort of find a supportive community, but, and I, I'm assuming like your parents were always supportive of this as well. Well, I'm lucky in that I have an older sister who managed to kind of car carve the arts path out for me. Um, she's a musical theater performance major, so her goal is Broadway, um, which was tough to convince a large of, I think, in the beginning. But she's known what she wanted to do since she was maybe five, taking ballet lessons and singing. So she really helped with that, definitely. And I just kind of following her lead. And she showed me that it's very possible to just kind of follow what you want to do and not really listen to anyone else. So yeah. Mm -hmm. And what advice, you know, because your sister was the one who sort of paved the path, as you mentioned. So what advice would you have for someone who sort of has to do that, who doesn't have supportive parents or maybe a supportive group of friends and, you know, wants them to follow a more traditional STEM path? I think it just comes back to the drive. If you want it enough, then no one is going to be able to convince you not to do it. And I think you also have to think about the big picture too. Right now, yes, it matters so much what your parents think and what your parents want you to do and even what your friends are doing. But five, 10, 15 years from now, imagine being 30 and you're not going to like where you are in life. So make your choices now that are going to make you happy later. 
Because if you're happy, you can always, and I know that sounds very optimistic, but I think a lack of overall satisfaction with your life is eventually going to mean way more than any kind of salary that you can get out of it. No, I, I like totally agree with you. I totally get like where you're coming from because at the end of the day, you have to think about, you know, who you're doing this for and it really is you. So if you want it bad enough and if you can see yourself in the future doing it and if you don't want to see yourself in any other position, then you're going to do it and you're going to, I guess, eventually show your parents that you can succeed, which I guess is what your sister is doing, right? Yeah, because I think what your parents want to see too, like, yes, they want to see you make money and be successful, but what they mm. want to see is that you have a passion that you're willing to follow. And if you mm. stick with it, eventually they're going to have to be able to see that this is what their child is going to be doing for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of parents, especially like brown parents who came here, you know, their first generation, um, and they didn't have all the opportunities that obviously we have, they sort of had to, because of, you know, their circumstances, had to resort to a more stable career, you know, they had to build a family, they didn't have visa, and all those things, right? But as, you know, second generation Indians here, we have been given all these opportunities, right? And our parents have created this amazing life for us, and they've given us more than enough money. So, we, even though this is like a different path and our parents might not like understand it, we have to fight, you know, fight for our passion and show them that we can do it and we can succeed, even though it's not like what they think is the right path to success. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> what do you like attribute to your success? What does that mean? Like, like do you think it's a mix of luck and hard work? Or, you know, like, why did you get into Haverford versus someone okay. else? So mm -hmm. I think success is really what you make it, obviously. So for me, I don't really consider um, financial stability, although that is super, super important. And it's something you need to keep in mind, like, throughout your life. My mom and I were actually just talking about this um, with my sister because we're both artists, obviously, don't have the best reputation for financial security. Um <laughs> So you do need to save and you need to be realistic. So I think that's definitely where I think most of my hopeful future success is going to come from is following that dream of publishing books and, you know, following whatever it is that I turn out to want to do later in life. But I think success means being comfortable enough also to be able to follow. Because if you're worrying about where your next paycheck not also finishing your novel so like me for example I'm planning to hopefully teach after college and write my book on the side and then transition gradually into full-time writing I know my sister is planning to waitress for a while after she gets out of college do some auditioning in New York City things like that so I think there's a balance of realism and idealism that you definitely need if you're the kind of person who wants to follow a semi-unrealistic dream Mm, yeah, I totally agree. And I think part of, you know, that drive and passion is being able to take a job like a waitress. You know what I mean? It's not the most like fancy thing. And, you know, when your parents are telling your their friends, it's, you know, saying your daughter's a waitress is not the best thing, right? 
but accepting that sort of short-term loss almost and giving that, um, you know, that maybe right out of college, super successful job up for a bigger dream in the future is something, you know, that comes from drive and that comes from passion at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, honestly, you brought up a good point about uh, success and looking forward because I think that me right out of college I'm not going to introduce myself as a teacher and I don't think my sister is going to introduce herself as a waitress I think we're both going to say you know I'm a artist I am even a struggling artist I think it's better you just have to see yourself where you want to be and with you know struggling as an artist and things like that do you think hard work equates to success Honestly, not always. Um, I think hard work in the arts definitely means something different than it does uh, to some other people. So hard work, I think, means making yourself the best in your field that you can. So for me, hard work is taking a lot of writing classes, you know, writing and submitting short stories, submitting poems, just writing, writing, writing and making myself better at what I want to do. Um, So I think. A teacher of mine said a while ago, and I still think this is true, that if you're good enough, they'll find you. So, like, your big break is going to come if you're good enough to get it. So hard work needs to mean that you are constantly working forward in your field. So, yes, hard work does equal success, but you need to always be working toward that specific, not just kind of throwing effort and effort and effort you need to be very focused I think in the hard work that you're doing before it pays off right and especially with like passion projects and things like the arts a lot of people are into this since they're young you know but then they they spend those two three years and they really put themselves fully into the art you know what I mean and they focus their complete mind and then the true hard work that they really did was in those two, three years. And so that's when they really see that success. Would you agree? Right. So I think you just, you have to keep working at it and you can take another job and you can get really good at something else. But if there's something that you want to do, I don't think you can just stop ever working on it. If your success doesn't come in five years, yeah, sure. Become a college professor or something like that, but keep writing that book and things like that because I think the art will come eventually but you need to be careful not to stop trying because it hasn't come yet Mm -hmm. and a big part of that is I just think resilience which you need to really succeed in any thing in life and believing in yourself constantly right Oh, totally. See, okay, so there's a thing about writers. It's such a stereotype, but I actually have one of these that all writers have a rejection letters folder. I do. It's a manila folder. It sits on my desk and it is full of rejection letters. Um, People who don't want my short stories, people who read my novel and don't think it's good. um, You have to kind of take that and use it to make yourself better rather than use it to give yourself excuses to stop trying if somebody didn't like your story, you have to edit it. That doesn't mean you should stop writing. That means you should work a little harder, I think. So that's definitely just a mindset that becomes very important. Mm, yeah, I love that mindset, you know. And I think Mr. Reed, he said, you know you've made it when you have haters. 
And I literally love that because that sort of goes along with, you know, when people are, you know, criticizing you and they don't like your work or they don't like, you know, you and your writing, that just means, you know, you have an opportunity to work even harder. And that means that, I mean, at least someone's looking at it, right? They're considering it. So you're already like one step ahead of the people who aren't even writing. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think haters is publicity. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But beyond that, yeah, I think if people are telling you to stop doing what you're doing, it's probably because they wanted to do it and they stopped doing it. So don't ever let that kind of stop you from chasing the dream. Yeah, because if you're if you're gonna get knocked down by haters, it's it's not gonna be a very long road for you, right? Oh yeah, resilience is one of the most <laughs> important things I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I really like where the conversation's going right now, but I wanted to touch a little bit on the college admissions process. Right. So, how many schools did you apply to, and like, what was the writing process for the supplements and things like that for you? So I applied to nine schools. Um, were liberal arts a couple of them were ivies that i didn't really want to go to but i applied to anyway so um the supplements right was um arduous to say the least because i'm a perfectionist and i live in the house with another perfectionist my mother so um i started by just drafting out all of my responses and i have a tendency to be very wordy um and sometimes unclear because of that so my mom was really good at helping me uh, cut down my sentences, make it clear what I'm trying to say without using too many big words and too many commas. So honestly, uh, this is kind of a general art thing also. Getting another perspective um, that isn't your own is super, super helpful. So I think my supplements great with my mom's edits and my edits and my mom's edits again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's really good. And I think having another perspective is so helpful, especially when you're looking at your own writing. Um, But what about someone whose parents aren't exactly supportive of what they want to do or maybe the colleges they're applying to? How do they get that other perspective of someone who's, you know, going to tell them the honest feedback? Yeah, I think you need to go to where you know you're going to get honesty. So um, maybe like a friend or sibling go to a teacher like an English teacher I know if we're talking to JP students Miss Akron is so helpful because she does not beat around the bush with her criticism she will tell you that sentence makes no sense um you can go to your college counselors Uh, they have been super helpful for me my guidance counselor is amazing so the guidance department honestly anyone in your school building um will really do their best to help you with your supplements if it's not you know, at home available to you like it was for me with my mom, then set up video calls, set up appointments to make it the best it can be. Mm. And how long did it take you? Like, how many supplements did you have? And how long did it end up taking you? Um, I'll estimate. Okay, so I applied to nine colleges. I would say it was around maybe 35 questions-ish, some of them shorter than others. Um, so I drafted all of them. It probably was maybe like 10, 12 hours of work to draft all of them. But then I, in the last couple of weeks of this, I would sit down and do one college every day with my mom. So it took anywhere from 
three to five or six hours to submit one application. So that was like four supplements we would edit in four or five hours and then I would submit the application. So it was a lot of work, but I think it paid off. Mm, yeah, I feel like nine is a good, good number of schools. You know what I mean? When people start applying to like 15, 20, it gets to be like way too much. And sometimes like I noticed, like I had all these schools on my list, right? But when I ended up actually writing the supplements, I was only passionate about like some schools. So half of them, I just like knocked off my list anyways. And I feel like as juniors and as underclassmen, we're so like, you know, worked up about like, I'm going to apply to all these colleges. But when you get to it, you realize how much work it is. And you know, those those months of like September, October, November, December, um, you really are probably going to only end up writing, you know, applications to 10 schools, probably maybe 12. Oh, I agree. And I think the best kind of litmus test for that is most colleges will make you write a little thing about like, why our college? Why Haverford, why Rutgers? And if you can't think of anything to say, then I don't think you should be applying there. It's just, I think passion is important with that too. If you're not excited about the place you're applying to, it's going to be really hard to write those essays. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, honestly, to any underclassmen out there, don't waste your time if you can't think of like why you want to go there. Like, I was like, oh my God, yes, I'm just going to apply to NYU Stern <laughs> for fun because, That's because fun. you yeah, know, sure. for fun, <laughs> you know. And then their, their only question was why NYU? And I'm just sitting there for two hours like, I, I have no idea because I don't want to <laughs> go to NYU. <laughs> and it was like, I ended up not even applying, obviously, because I had no answer to their question. And so I, I really like that, that it really is a good litmus yeah. test for that. Um, what was like October, November, December, like in terms of like the atmosphere with writing supplements, you know, people getting into colleges, applying ED and just everything around that. Oh yeah. Um, so for me, my college process was kind of very centered around just me, my mom and my kitchen table. So, um, I tried not to talk about like my own stress and stuff like that too much. Um, but I remember there being a lot of stress with, my friends, there was just kind of this general atmosphere of frenzy around the junior class and the senior class because, you know, everyone wants to get into that dream school. And I think that becomes very discouraging to some people, especially when you're hearing about all these ED admits and like, oh, he got into NYU. Wow, he got into Princeton. And it's it's really great for them, the people who deserve it. It's so nice. But it's definitely tough to look at that and then look back at your college list and say, you know, I haven't even submitted a single application. So again, I think there's a certain sense of you need to shut out some of the noise. Like, yes, be there for your friends. And yes, it's great if your friends are there for you. But there is a lot of white noise that probably serves more to distract and discourage you than it does to like get you pumped up. So I think you just need to find what works for you in terms of the college process. And yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like I was seeing like, you know, a a number of people got into good schools, um, ED from our school. And what you start doing is you start looking at your stats and you start looking at, you know, your essays and you're like, is this good enough? Like, should I even be writing this? Should I even be applying? Like if so-and-so didn't get in and am I even going to get in? And you just, you start thinking about other people when that's really not even what matters, you know. The whole point of the whole college process is to find somewhere um, that really fits you and somewhere where you're going to be able to succeed. So I totally like the idea of like shutting out, you know, maybe not even talking to your friends about it, just, you know, college admissions and that whole space just being, 
your own little corner where you maybe you talk to your mom, maybe a sibling, and that's about it. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really good to have friends around you as a support system, but um, it's easy also to fall into the kind of like ranting and stressing and things like that. So um, at least I remember what the four of us did. You, me, Drea, <laughs> and Bagisha. We saw each other maybe like once a week and we'd go ice skating or we'd watch a movie and we did not really talk about college at all, which I think was probably the most helpful thing that I did for my own sanity, at least during the college process. It was super, super great to just take like that Friday night and not be writing supplements, not be even thinking about supplements. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just really enjoyed kind of having someone's company without stressing about that really important Right, like at that time, I remember like everyone is talking about it. Teachers are talking about it, you know, just because it's like (laughs) a hot topic and it's like the big gossip of the entire school. It's important to just, you know, plug away from that and talk about anything but that, you know. Yeah, that time exactly. Yeah, so I just remember me and Shari. We were like, okay, you know what? Just think about January. Just think about January. It's all going to be over. It's all going to be over. And you know, looking back at it, I'm happy like the effort and everything I put in. Um, And I'm I'm happy like with where everything ended. And I feel like everyone, like all the seniors and everything, sort of feel the same way. You know? Yeah, I can't think of anyone who's sitting at home right now like. God, I wish I had done things differently because everyone, you know, really put their A game out there during the college application process. And we all, I think it's so cliche to say, but I think we all ended up in a good place and where we're going to be successful. So to all the underclassmen out there, <laughs> stop stressing. Seriously, you're, you really are going to end up in a good mm-hmm. place for you. And I guess, I guess we'll start ending this out. Um, what's one piece of advice you have to any girl or guy watching this who wants to go into liberal arts? And, you know, wants to get into a liberal arts school. Um, First piece of advice, start doing it now. So if you're into drama, join theater, you know, musicals, plays. If you're into writing, join, take a creative writing class, do the poetry slam. You just have to start getting involved because I think that's going to be the best kind of, like, test for whether you really do like this as, as an academic interest and as a future career. And in terms of actually applying to colleges, uh, it's kind of the same. No matter what you want to do, research, research, research. Look at the schools. um, And liberal arts schools really do have a reputation of giving you a good education in whatever field you choose. So choose the good schools. Choose the schools that have a bunch of different programs that you think you might be interested in. And, you know, go for it. Put a lot of effort into your applications and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, a big part of just, especially like if you're in middle school or just um, a freshman or something like that, just explore your interest. It's like so intimidating at first, but sometimes like if you just sign up for the meeting and you force yourself to go or, you know, maybe bring a friend, um, you're going to find one of your interests and who knows, you know, maybe you'll find your passion and something that you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. Yeah, definitely. So even if you're taking like six AP classes or five um find space in your schedule for like a creative writing class or a public speaking class something that is going to interest you because you you gotta like stretch out those liberal arts muscles if you want to keep doing that later in life definitely Mm -hmm. right and I think like 
you know, when you talk to anyone and you'll ask them, you know, what, what made you find your passion or something like that? And they'll be like, I'll just, you know, I really just explored and I joined new clubs and finally something stuck and look where I am today. So I think that's like an important piece of advice that um, underclassmen need to hear. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's about it. Thank you so much, Bella, for being on here. And no problem. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, of course. And like I said before, you really are one of the smartest people I know. So I'm going to say it on my podcast. Um, <laughs> make sure you send me a signed copy of your best-selling New York Times book. Okay, girl? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Look out for Bella Kana. You know, you're going to you're gonna want to know that name. All right, guys? <laughs> all right.